What is cracking, friends? Welcome back. Welcome to another edition of Internal Budget. The 34th edition, to be exact. Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com, joining you as always, welcoming you, in fact, to this here show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give the show a big old five-star rating as well as subscribing. Make sure to subscribe as well on Spotify or follow or whatever it's called. And also give it, I think it's a thumbs-up rating system they have over there. And if you're on some ungodly platform like, like Google or something, I don't know what, how to help you. But you better find out how to rate this podcast or I'm going to be upset. Man, we got a lot on the docket today. Football is back. The NFL finally is back. I got a great Sunday of watching football in, watching my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yes, I heard all your Tom Brady slander, you godless heathens. Don't worry. I'm making a list. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Fire your hate in. It nourishes me. It fuels me. I'm adding you all to the list. The list exists. I got it right here in my hand. You hear that? That's the list. So at the end of the season, when Tom Brady's lifting the Lombardi Trophy, you're all going to get your names read out and shamed. So keep it coming. Please. I'm begging you. But enough of the football stuff for now. Trust me, I am going to read out your Tom Brady hate comments at the end of the show. But for right now, we've got to talk again. Again, we've got to talk about the Dallas Stars. Oh, I'm so sick of talking about the Dallas Stars. It's, it hurts my head. I understood the plot of Tenet better than I understand what, ju- what I just watched on my television. The Dallas Stars have eliminated the Vegas Golden Knights in five games. Denis Gurionov scoring the overtime winner on the power play because, of course, and sending the Stars to the Stanley Cup final. I just lost money on Vegas, and I have no idea why. Again, a game where Vegas outplayed Dallas, outshot them, outchanced them. Dallas somehow comes back. And wins it in overtime. Robin Leonard has another great game. Anton Kudobin faced, what was it, 60 whatever shots? It wasn't 60. I'm exaggerating because I'm upset. But the Dallas Stars are going to the Stanley Cup final. And I want to comment on this series. But it's hard because I'm still trying to process just how... Vegas squandered this golden opportunity that they had in front of them. I've got nothing for this. I said the Dallas Stars beat the Calgary Flames in large part due to Calgary's injuries. And I said they beat Colorado almost entirely due to Colorado's injuries. I got nothing for this. Anton Hudobin stood on his head. Anton Hudobin just stole a Stanley Cup From the Vegas Golden Knights. And let me tell you something. I don't care if whoever 
uh, Dallas plays in the final, probably Tampa. I don't care if Dallas gets swept and Hudoman gives up 70 goals in four games. That's the Conn Smythe winner. If this award is supposed to be the most valuable player throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs, show me someone more valuable than Hudoman. Braden Point in Tampa? Eh, maybe, but they still have Kucherov. They still have Hedman. They still have Vasilevsky playing out of his mind. The Lightning are doing this without Steven Stamkos. How can you make an argument that any one of those guys deserves a Conn Smythe more than Hudobin? You think Dallas is winning even a round with their third goaltender, Jake Ottinger? Maybe. Who knows? It's 2020. But from what we've seen, Anton Hudobin deserves to be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. I don't believe this. I really don't believe this. I'm stunned. Like, you're getting my raw reaction here. The game just ended. And as soon as Dallas tied it, I knew it. I knew it was coming. I could feel it in my bones. I could feel it in my wallet. I could hear the hockey gods just chuckling at me. Not laughing. Not like a deep, satisfying belly laugh. Just a little chuckle. Like a condescending chuckle. This was a slam dunk for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't want to take anything away from the Dallas Stars. Rick Bonus, Jamie Benn, Hudobin, Tyler Sagan. It's a great story. There's Joe Pavelski, a guy who was shipped off out of San Jose last year because they thought they could win without him. And that did not turn out great. So the larger point being a lot of guys worth rooting for in Dallas. Good for them. Are they going to win the Stanley Cup? I don't I don't think so, but I didn't think they were going to win round one. I didn't think they were going to win round two. And I sure as hell did not think they were going to win round three. So I give up. That's it. I'm done. I'm just going to stick to football. I got the Broncos and Titans game going on right next to me. That's what I'm doing from now on. You know, I played football. It was what I was good at physically. I tried doing the whole hockey thing. Clearly, I have no idea what in the hell I'm talking about. So I'm just sticking to football. I will receive all your Tampa Bay Buccaneers jabs, your verbal barbs, you scum. Anyway, I'm done talking about the Dallas Stars for now. Uh... Seriously, though, kudos to them. Uh, They played within their structure. They got good goaltending. They did what they needed to do to win. They did what they needed to do to win, and they did. So good on them. Let's get to some Sens news. There was a lot of it this week, even though this week felt like a year. But I digress. At the beginning of the week, Haley Salvin of The Athletic, friend of the show, broke the story that Mark Borowiecki's days in Ottawa are all but numbered. And that sucks. Just let's call a spade a spade. It sucks. Um, I've talked to Mark Borowiecki a few times. He's a really nice dude. Like he's as genuine as they come. 
so for him to not be reward, rewarded with a contract extension, it's tough. And the fans are upset, and it's warranted. This is a team in the Ottawa Senators that committed to keeping Mark Borowiecki long-term, and then when the time comes to actually do it, they do nothing. Pierre Dorian said, we want to try to make Borough a senator for life. Well, if a month before the free agency period begins, it comes out that Borough is not, in fact, going to be a senator for life, it doesn't really make it seem like you went to the wall to re-sign him. I don't know the particulars of what happened behind the scenes, but that's just a perception. That's how it comes off. And and look, there are legitimate hockey reasons to let Mark Borowiecki go. I don't agree with them so much, but it's understandable. You look at the left side for the Ottawa Senators. You got Thomas Shabbat, who's a superstar in the making. Christian Willanen, who for my money is probably the most underrated Ottawa Senator. Mike Riley, uh, who's signed through next year. And Eric Brandstrom, who's going to be pushing hard for an NHL spot this year in all likelihood. Uh, now, would I have kept Mike Riley over Borough? No, I don't think so. And that's nothing against Riley. It's just when you look at two guys who have a relatively similar impact on the ice, to me it comes down, when it comes down to it, Borough's the guy you take between those two. This is a guy who did everything right, both on and off the ice. He improved his game this year. He committed to uh, an intense cardio training regimen, became a guy who could play a lot of minutes, a guy who could score goals, a guy who wasn't just being a meathead policeman out there, a guy who was actually playing a solid defensive role, and he played it fairly well. But off the ice one of the honorary captains of the Capital City Condors with his wife, Tara, advocating for Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ plus rights, stopping a robbery in Vancouver, just the leadership that he showed in interviews. That's a guy who can take heat off the kids. Like, this is a guy to keep around. His Corsi percentage went up this year, and in the same amount of games that he played in 2019, he had six more goals, seven more assists for 13 more points, and 30 one less penalty minutes. That is a guy who totally evolved. Mark Borowiecki changed his game to be a better player for the Ottawa Senators and to contribute more to his team, and it worked. So I have a hard time with them not keeping a guy like that. I really do. And and look, it's tough. Because, like I said, there are, there are hockey reasons to walk away. But the problem that the Ottawa Senators keep running into is they say one thing and they do another. And I get it. They have to say these things. They have to say that they wanted to make Eric Carlson an Ottawa Senator for life. They had to say that they wanted to make Mark Stone an Ottawa Senator for life. They had to say they wanted to make J.G. Pajot, Mark Borowiecki. Go down the list. All these guys... You can't just say that you're going to trade them. I totally, 100% understand that. But when you get frustrated with fans for not trusting you or not being enthusiastic about the direction of the team, stuff like this is why. You have 
a guy who the fan base came around on in a way that I've never seen before. I have never seen a guy go from absolutely reviled by his fan base to completely and totally beloved by them. And that's not just improvement on the ice, like I said. It's character. It's leadership. It's giving back to the community. It's caring. It's got to be hard to care on a team that's been a perennial bottom feeder for the, last, for the better part of the last three years. Guys like Mark Borowiecki, who have this combination of leadership, just being a good human, and improving on the ice, they don't grow on trees. Guys like Mark Borowiecki don't come around often, both for a team and for a community. So there's going to be a team that picks up Mark Borowiecki probably in October, and they're going to be very happy with what they get. Their fan base is going to love this guy, both for what he brings on the ice and for what he brings off of it. I said it on Twitter a little while ago. When Justin Morissette, the producer at Sportsnet in Vancouver, who had his leg broken by this vicious homophobic bigot, when Justin had his leg broken, Mark Borowiecki went out of his way to reach out to Justin, who's also a phenomenal dude, and thank him for what he did and send him some swag. This is a guy in Ottawa doing this for a dude in Vancouver. Like, that's pretty incredible stuff to me. So, I don't know. It's tough. It's just really tough to lose a guy like Mark Borowiecki. I don't know. Like, at some point, you got to start keeping these guys around, I think. And again, if Pierre Dorian had been kind of non-committal about keeping Mark Borowiecki, I don't know if that would have made it better. But it's a bad look when you voice this commitment to keeping him around and then don't follow through on it. That's just my two cents. Maybe you guys feel differently. It seems to me like the majority of Senators fans wanted Mark Borowiecki back. And they wanted Mark Borowiecki to be an Ottawa Senator for life. I think it would have been a good move to at least keep him around for another few years. But by the same token, for everything he's done in improving his game and for pouring his heart and soul into the community, Mark Borowiecki deserves stability. Him and Tara just had a baby, baby Miles. You know, that's stability is going to be important, putting their roots down somewhere, somewhere where he can probably finish his career. That's big for them. So, Mark, Tara, Miles, congratulations to you guys. Thank you for everything that you've done for the community of Ottawa. Thank you for being a stand-up, stand-up people. Thank you, Mark, for being a stand-up Ottawa senator. And thanks for just being a pleasant dude. Um, and wherever you go, I wish you the best of luck. And who knows, hopefully we'll get you on the podcast at some point. 
There was more Ottawa Senators news this week. Well, it wasn't really news, I guess. I'm going to have a little sip of water here. It wasn't really news so much as Twitter discourse, which, let's be honest, it's the only thing I've had for the last seven months in quarantine. I'm still not back at work. At any rate, there has been a lot of talk about the NHL's financial situation. And this is something multiple people actually reached out to me and asked me to discuss on this episode. People are concerned. They are concerned about Eugene Melnick's financial situation and what that's going to mean for the Ottawa Senators. Pierre Maguire said, I think it was last week on TSN radio that he expected a few teams to be sold just because they won't be able to play pay bonuses. That certainly sounds like it could fit Eugene Melnick, but I don't know. I don't want to presume. Uh, I'm not accusing Eugene Melnick of not being able to financially survive COVID-19 as the owner of the Ottawa Senators. I don't know. I don't have any inside details to share with you all. But let's say for argument's sake that... COVID-19 forces Eugene Melnick to sell the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators are not going anywhere, folks. And I'll tell you why. And, and look, this is something that comes up, and I get it. People are concerned about it. People have the tendency to expect the worst out of the Ottawa Senators, and rightfully so. But I, but I wrote some things down here that I want to share with you all. So the Ottawa Senators were evaluated at around $450 million last year, according to Forbes. The last relocation fee in the NHL was in 2011, and it was $60 million. So do with that figure what you will. The Senators were an upper-tier attendance team before Melnick alienated everyone. They averaged 18,147 fans from 2013 to 2016, and that's after... Daniel Alfredson left. And in two th- and they only made the playoffs one time in that span, in 2015, after Alfie left. So couple this with a rebrand that's coming up. The Ottawa Senators are about to unveil their 2D jerseys, which, God, just do it already. They're about to have one of the more stylish looks in the league which is going to sell a lot of merchandise, even even for people outside of hockey. Go back to the 90s. There was tons of celebrities and rappers wearing Ottawa Senators gear. I'll be surprised if that doesn't come back because it's a nice look. And people dig the retro 90s looks. So that's going to be a nice little gravy train. There's going to be a post-Melnick boom for all the people who stopped going to games because of Eugene Melnick. Those people, you have to think they're going to come back. And there's going to be a post-COVID boom. I think it might not happen right away because when fans are finally welcomed back into, into buildings in whatever capacity, there's probably going to be a little bit of hesitance at first, depending on what goes on with the vaccine and all that. But eventually we're going to get to a point where people are dying to go take in live sports again. I think, anyway. I think there's going to be tons of people. I think you're going to see sellouts where you never ordinarily would have seen sellouts. Uh, in the middle of the season, I think it's going to be huge for the league. 
So factor in all those possible streams of revenue and the cost of relocation outweigh the benefits of staying. So it just makes more financial sense to keep the Senators in Ottawa. you got a rebrand coming in, you've got alienated fans coming back, and you've got a post-COVID sports world to capitalize on. A world where there's not bubbles and empty seats and artificial crowd noise, but what we're used to. Honest to God, live sports. And it's going to be beautiful. But I digress. I don't know if Eugene Melnick is going anywhere. I really don't. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. There's been rumors about him trying to sell the team for as long as I can remember. And I don't blame people for being worried about the Senators going somewhere. I I don't. I can't. You know, like, there's been so many bad things that have happened with this team over the last three years. There's been a lot of positives. Like, this year was fun, you know, for the most part. Brady Kachuk has been a revelation. Thomas Shabbat has been a blessing. There's been a lot of positives to take. The draft is going to be super exciting. But like I said, I cannot blame Senators fans for being pessimistic. But the way I see it, Eugene Melnick may go. He might. Who knows? But I think no matter what happens, the NHL is going to see to it that the Ottawa Senators stay in Ottawa. It's too profitable. It's just it's just not a team worth relocating. There's a viable market here. It's been proven through merchandise sales, through attendance figures for years before this collapse post-2017. The league, you know, they, they're, they're not going to fall victim to that kind of recency bias. The Senators aren't going anywhere. And I say that relatively confidently. Who knows, maybe that'll be thrown back in my face and you guys will all get to dunk on me again. But that's the way I see it. It just doesn't make sense for them to go anywhere for me. I guess we got to talk more about the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, Not to go back to what we, were, what we opened the show with, but I'm stunned still. And I, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out what went wrong with this team. I've been looking up Natural Stat Trick, which is a great resource. I've been looking up Hockey Viz, looking at where their chances were coming from. It just it doesn't make sense to me that this is a team that is out. This is that this is a team that lost the Dallas Stars. I don't get it. And I say that without any shame that I don't get it. I think it comes down to a few things. And okay, and first of all, if you are blaming this loss on Robin Leonard, you have left the planet. You are on a plane of existence that I can't even begin to comprehend. The guy who shut out the Vancouver Canucks, what was it, three times in a seven-game series? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, Robin Leonard did not lose the Vegas Golden Knights this series. 
what I've come up with is this. This is my conclusion as to what went wrong for the Vegas Golden Knights. They generated a lot of shots. A lot. They outchanced Dallas pretty soundly. And when you look at their heat maps on natural stat trick, which shows where the bulk of their chances came from, Vegas had chances all over the ice, mainly the net front and the point were where they got their high-danger chances. Dallas were all right in front of Robin Leonard in the slot right on top of him. So for Vegas, when you're giving up these goals, it's D-zone collapses, and it's Dallas capitalizing on them. So it comes down to that. But if you're the Golden Knights, they generated a lot of high-danger chances, but they got no traffic in front of Kudobin. They made life easy on him. And I know that's a cliche, but when you have a goaltender that's playing that well, when you have a goaltender that is stealing a playoff series, you've got to make life difficult for him. Vegas, frankly, got lucky against Vancouver for that reason. They deserved to win that series, but they almost made the same mistakes, and it finally came back to bite them. They took advantage of a tired Thatcher Demko in Game 7, and they barely eked out a win. But now the chickens have come home to roost. Is it coaching? Is it systems? I don't know. But Vegas didn't make it nearly hard enough on Robin Leonard. And to me, that is a huge reason why they're not going to the Stanley Cup Final when they probably should be going to the Stanley Cup Final. Because for my money, they're the best team in this playoff. From the beginning, I picked them to win. So, it's tough. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard watching teams beat themselves. And like I've said it three times already, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, so I know how that feels. And don't you worry, we're going to get to it. We're going to read all your little hate comments. But... As far as the Stanley Cup final goes, it's probably going to be Tampa. So how does Dallas beat Tampa? I don't know. I don't know. But I didn't know how they were going to beat Vegas either. 2020, man. 2020. All logic dictates that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win the Stanley Cup. But logic has taken an extended leave of absence this year. Logic is more dead than my football playing career at this point. So I have no clue what's going to happen. But at this point, if Dallas wins the Stanley Cup, if they sweep the Lightning, getting outshot by a collective 108-40 to in four games, I'm not going to be surprised. If Mike Medano emerges from center ice like The Undertaker and chokeslams John Cooper, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm done. (laughs) My mental state is shot after this year. Nothing surprises me. Nothing phases me. Merrily, merrily, life is but a dream. And I asked you... I asked you absolute hooligans 
for questions. I ask for questions. I ask for comments. I ask for contributions to my little podcast here. And what did I get? I got comment after comment about Tom Brady. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read every single one of these off. And I'm going to add you to the list. And you don't want to be on the list. You're going to find out by the end of the year that the list is a bad place to be. Here, Taylor's got a legit question, so we'll answer that one first. If and when the NHL will allow fans to attend games again by allowing a certain percentage in the arena like the NFL, do you see attendance numbers being negatively affected given people's fears surrounding the virus or positively given fans wanting to see games live? It's going to depend on a lot of things. It's going to depend on societal factors, and it's going to depend on factors within the team themselves. I think there's going to be a large contingent of people who are eager to take in live sports again. I'm sure there'll be some geographical component to that. But, and like I said, it depends on a vaccine. It depends on where we're at with this thing by then. It's, it's a really hard question to answer, but at some point I anticipate that there's going to be a resurgence. There's going to be a boom for sports. And I don't know if that's going to happen right away or if it's going to take a while to happen, but I think it will happen. And James left me eyeballs because I think he was going to ask another underwear question. Like, ugh, man, aren't you an educator? Go educate. Bother me. Francois Bordelot, Tom Brady, that washed up QB. All right, Francois, you're on the list. Hold on. Francois on the list. Brock McGillis. Oh, Brock, you're definitely on the list. You're going on the list twice, Brock. Oh, it's the meme. Training camp is over. I got picked twice. We lost. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, and then a picture of Tom Brady with Trump. Hey, that's a low blow. Like I said, that's a low blow. That's not fair. You're putting me in an impossible position. Stephen McLean. Tom Brady... Wears inferior sweaters. Okay. All right, Stephen. How's this for inferior? Inferior sweaters. Better watch your mouth. Ben Kerr. If you go to a Bills game, you can buy a t-shirt outside the stadium that says Tom Brady squats when he pees and everything written on a t-shirt is true, therefore not slander. Ah, well, you know, if there's a team that knows about success, it's the Buffalo Bills. There you go. Tim Frisbee, another little meme here. Cute. Tom Brady as he comes to the realization that he is really just a system QB. Oh, the system QB remark. Delicious. It nourishes me. You just wait. You just wait. It's a long season, gang. Like our Lord and Savior Bruce Arians said, it's round one of a 16-round fight. Sure, they lost round one, but they'll be back. There's 15 rounds to go. And I will accept your team's unconditional surrender at any juncture that they are inclined to give it. But the sooner the better. Because the Tom Brady Revenge Tour is coming, gang. And I'm glad this is all going to be recorded and left in the ether forever. Because like everything else, aside from the Dallas Stars, I am right. And I think that is just about enough for episode 34 of Internal Budget, or I'm going to have a football-induced aneurysm 
or a Dallas Stars-induced aneurysm. A lot of things frustrate me this week. Nothing makes sense. The world is topsy-turvy. I need to go to bed. So thank you very much for listening as always. Make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, rate thumbs up, rate 10 out of 10, rate it however you need to rate it, but give it a good rating or I will come to your home and I will sit down in your driveway and refuse to move until you have accommodated my requests. Gang, cases are spiking in Ontario, so please, please don't be stupid. Please continue to wear your mask. Please remain socially distanced. Stay within your social circles, as they're calling them. And above all else, please stay safe. This virus is nasty. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, unfortunately. Last thing I want is for anyone to get sick. So please continue to be responsible. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And episode 35 will be coming at you next week. Take care, y'all.